This is Case Closed, crime stories from the golden age of radio. Welcome back to Case Closed, your weekly hour of old-time radio crime brought to you every Wednesday by RelicRadio.com. Our first story this week comes from the adventures of Sam Spade. We'll hear the bail bond caper, his story from June 27, 1948. After that, it's Philo Vance in the Nightmare Murder Case. That episode aired November 22, 1949. The Adventures of Sam Spade, Detective. Brought to you by Wild Root Cream Oil Hair Tonic. The non-alcoholic hair tonic that contains lanolin. Wild Root Cream Oil. Again and again, the choice of men who put good grooming first. Office of Samuel Spade, Private Investments. I mean, Investigations. Good morning. Uh, evening. Effie? Miss Perina's on a vacation. Perhaps I may be of assistance, no doubt. I don't know. To whom am I speaking to? I am sorry. I cannot devolve that information to an entire stranger. May I take a message? Look, uh, Miss Whoever you are, I don't want to discommode you, but... I I am sorry, but I will have to ask you in no certain terms to resist from this line you are handing me. I am not the type secretary. Forget it. I'll just call Miss Perrine long distance and dictate my report over the phone. (gasps) Oh, my stars and garter. How utterly gouge of me, Mr. Spade. Oh, I'm Bernadine, Effie's relief. Uh, I mean yours. I could use some. Oh, shall I send out for some medicine? Yeah. The phone number's on the wall behind the water cooler. Tell them the hundred proof, bonded, and hang the expense. I'll be right down to dictate my report on the bail bond caper. Dashiell Hammett, America's leading detective fiction writer and creator of Sam Spade, the hard-boiled private eye, and William Spear, radio's outstanding producer-director of mystery and crime drama, join their talents to make your hair stand on end with the adventures of Sam Spade. Presented by the makers of Wild Root Cream Oil for the hair. Only three days left, gals, and June, the month of weddings, will be over. But don't worry, there are still 187 days left in leap year... Still time to snag the man of your dreams. You know, the one who uses Wild Root Cream Oil on his hair. He and millions of other men use Wild Root Cream Oil daily because Wild Root Cream Oil grooms the hair so neatly and naturally, relieves dryness, and removes loose dandruff. Any smart man who wants to look smart always insists on Wild Root Cream Oil hair tonic. Again and again, the choice of men who put good grooming first. And now, with Howard Duff starring as Spade, Wild Root brings to the air the greatest private detective of them all in the adventures of Sam Spade. Oh, Mr. Spade! You are Mr. Spade. You just gotta be. Yes, but why? It was faith. I knew it was gonna be like this. I have my qualms, too, Bernadine. Oh, that's good. I I sent the other back. The other what? I called that number, but it was euphonious. They sent whiskey. Is something the matter? Uh, no. No, nothing at all. I'm perfectly qualm. Well, I'm glad. My previous employer was very nervous, which is why I just happened to be tentatively at large when Effie reproached me about being a relief to her. Figures. Uh, Bernadine, now I'm not being fresh. Honestly, I'm not, but do you take shorthand? Yeah, but I don't speak it. What is that you speak? 
Don't answer. Uh, ready? Rodney. I, I mean, Roger. Yeah. Uh, date? I'll have to ask my mother. Down, Bernadine. Uh, date, June 27, 1948, to Miss Effie Perrine, care of Perry's Lodge, Canab, the Pearl of the West, Utah. What? Oh, uh, wrong letter. I'll get to that later. Uh, date, uh, June 27, 1948. To Leo M. Scarlett, care of Leaf Branch, Root, Knox, and Wood, Attorneys at Law, 333 Pine Street, San Francisco, from Samuel Spade, license number 137596. Subject, the bail bond caper. Dear Leo, I'm sorry things turned out the way they did, Leo, and I'd like you to know how I got into it. It wasn't for the reward. I don't take rewards. I'm not in love with your wife, no matter what she says, and I wasn't sore at you about anything. I was just sitting in my office, minding my own business when the door opened, and Vivian walked in. She looked every bit as beautiful as she did when she lived under me in Ma Tuttle's boarding house in 41. In fact, I didn't recognize her until she slithered out of her mink. Hello, Sam. Surprised to see me? Uh, yeah, but I'm trying not to show it. What's on your mind? Is that all you've got to say to me, Sam? Well, you're here on business, aren't you? All right, I don't blame you. It all happened pretty sudden, Leo and me. I should have written or phoned you, I suppose, but somehow... Forget this... it, Vivian. Now, uh, what do you need a detective for? Are you uh, thinking of divorce already? Oh, please don't, Sam. If it was a mistake, I'm the one who has to live with it, and I made up my mind when I marry Leo this time it's for keeps. No matter what. Mm-hmm. What's the what? He's in trouble, Sam. Well, that's nothing new. Well, this time I don't think it's his fault. When Leo went legit, he meant it. What's he say he's doing now? He's a bail bond broker. Judging from your new look, I'd say he's a success. Sam, a man called him on the phone today. I answered. He said his name was Holiday, but I recognized his voice. It was an old friend of Leo's, Charlie Rosenfoy. Charlie, huh? When did he get out? A couple weeks back. He was paroled. I don't know what he said over the phone. But Leo looked scared and sick. I don't wonder. The word around town was that Charlie took the rap for Leo. Well, I don't know anything about that. All I know is Leo's on the level now, and Charlie never will be. He did plenty on his own during that time he served. Well, I won't argue that, but from where I sit, it looks like Leo better start wearing a gun again. He has. That's what I'm so frantic about, Sam. Do you hear any of the conversation from Leo's end? He didn't say much. But I did hear him say, All right, ten tonight. I'll meet you there. That wasn't very smart of him. I know, but that's the way he is. It might be only for a payoff. I thought of that, too. But Leo hasn't got that kind of money. He's been dropping a lot at the racetracks lately. And even if he had it, he's not the type to pay blackmail. I don't like it. Why should I stick my neck out? Why did you have to come to me, anyway? Because I trust you, Sam. I know you were jealous of Leo. I was? Sam, if we ever meant anything... To... If you meant half the things you said to me when we... Stop it. That's blackmail. Oh, I feel so lost and alone. I don't know where to turn. Okay, okay. I'll see what I can do. Oh, Sam. I'll make it up to you somehow. You see if I don't. Sure you will. And tell Leo to stop dropping his money at Tan Ferran. This is going to cost them plenty. Vivian had said that your rendezvous with Charlie was scheduled for 10 in the p.m. and that you were too upset to go to work that day, so you'd be at home, 1246 Dunbar. I took a plant in your apartment building from a sleepy lagoon-type cocktail bar across the street called, you guessed it, the Sweet Leilani. Your wife joined me, and after a while, we got around to talking. 
At least she did. <laughs> I bet you can't guess what I'm thinking about. Huh? Listen, Sam. You remember that night we drove to the half... Half moon... Bay. Oh, you do remember. Oh, we used to do the craziest things. I should have married you, Sam. <laughs> Please, not while I'm drinking. You know what? The trouble with crooks... They have to work day and night. Yeah. Hey, you're not listening. No, but everybody else in the place is. Let's talk about you, Sam. Did I ever tell you how I met Leo? No, and please don't. And then he opened a bucket shop. You know what a bucket shop is? Yeah. It's stock bro- uh, brokerage. Bro- yeah, that's right. Only it's crooked. That was the first business Leo started when he went legit. Mm-hmm. He had to shut it down on account of those securities <laughs> somebody was always stealing out of the safe. Were they insured? Yeah, but they wouldn't renew his policy. So after the second nightclub burned down and he couldn't get any insurance at all, even on his own life. That's why I'm so frantic, Sam. Hey, give me a nickel. I want to play sweet little Annie. Fifty nickels and two hours later, sweet Leilani broke under the strain, so we had Princess Papuli to leave and that gave out, and we were starting on the Hawaiian war chant when she disappeared through a door marked Wahini's, Hawaiian for powder room, and never came back. Around 9.45, I mumbled something to the bartender about the lady will pay, put on my smoked glasses, and strolled out and across the street. You came out of the building a couple of minutes later. You led me a zigzag course up Merchant Street to Salon, across Salon to Commercial, down Commercial to Drum, and made a lateral pass over Drum back to Dunbar. Your destination, I'd never have guessed it, was the Sweet Leilani. Happily, they were not playing Sweet Leilani. It was very, very quiet. The regular customers had taken a powder, and I didn't blame them. In the new crop at the bar, I counted ten broken noses, at least five broken paroles, assorted knife scars, and four pairs of cauliflower ears, and one maverick. You slid into a booth at the end of the bar, took the gun out of your shoulder holster, and laid it down on the table in front of you. I walked over, turned it around so it was pointing at the jukebox instead of me, and sat down. Some other time, Spade. Some other time I drink with you. I'm waiting for a friend. Why the gun? You selling it to him? Maybe I give it to him. Go on, you drink at the bar. Ah, it's kind of crowded. Looks like uh, Charlie Rosenfoy's old mob. Who are they gunning for? You or Charlie? Why don't you ask them? What are you drinking, Leo? I was with a bottle all day. Got a bad taste. Do me a favor, Spade. There's a bar two doors down the street. Go drink there. There's my friend coming in the door. Any friend of yours is a friend of mine, Leo. Look, Spade. Hello, Leo. What's the matter? You bring a bodyguard to meet your old friend, Charlie? This shamus threw his weight in here. I didn't ask him. I don't need him. Huh. That sounds like the old Leo Scarlatti I used to The name is Scarlet. Oh, pardon me. I've been on the rock for so long, it's hard to catch up on all the changes. There's been a war, Charlie. Anyone tipped you to it yet? You got a smart bodyguard, Leo. Let's talk. Let's go somewhere else and talk. Uh -uh, I like it here. Okay, we start. How come you tipped the mob we were coming here? You promised you wouldn't. Like the shamas, they got a drink somewhere. All right, say what's in your mind and I'll go. Yeah, and if you don't mind, I think I'll uh, do my drinking at the bar. (laughs) 
Both of your guns were on the table. It didn't look as though you were going to use them on one another, and I figured that neither of you was going to do much talking in front of me anyway, so I strolled back to the end of the bar to look at the television. The 10 o'clock news roundup was on, and the ticker tape that was moving across the screen said dot, dot, dot in Atlantic City today, period. I ordered a highball, and then the ticker tape started again. This time it said San Francisco, million-dollar bail bond robbery. One million dollars in negotiable bonds is tonight in the hands of a group of daring hold-up men who commandeered an armored truck at the very portals of the police department in the Hall of Justice. And it said this concludes the 10 o'clock edition of the television news roundup. I had a slight hunch that if the television boys had had their cameras on the big bail bond robbery, that at least some of the characters would have been played by at least some of the bad actors that were foregathered in the sweet Leilani. In fact, what you and Charlie were saying and doing when I walked back to your booth was almost too much to the point. You let me see the bulky portfolio Charlie shoved across the table at you. It looked like a carrying case for bonds, bank messenger type. But it was sealed with wax blobs bearing the imprint of the great seal of the state of California. I was impressed. Where'd you get this? You can read about it in the papers, and if I was you, I'd get this out of sight before them papers hit the street. One thing more, don't try to clip none of them coupons. And one thing more in addition, don't open it at all. Sure. Spade? Yeah, Leon? I think I hire you after all. I took the job and you handed me the portfolio. Outside, we flagged the taxi and you gave the driver an address on Portsmouth Square. Your office, I hate to remind you, was behind one of a bunch of neon-lighted storefronts across from the Hall of Justice. The sign on the door said, Press the button and let freedom ring any hour, day or night. The only bell in sight was a stop-press-type burglar alarm. You unlocked the door and we went in. You paused in front of a big green safe with a combination lock and started twirling the knob. The tumblers clicked into place. I picked up an inkwell and waited for the safe to open. All right, Spade, give me it. I did, with both hands. With my left, I handed you the portfolio, and with my right, I pitched the inkwell at a well-wired slab of plate glass window. When the burglar alarm went into action, so did you. You dropped everything and were out of the door and out of sight before you could say, let freedom ring. While I was waiting for the cops to arrive, I helped myself to a $500 bearer bond I found lying loose in your safe. I had a feeling I might be needing some bail myself. The makers of Wild Root Cream Oil are presenting the weekly Sunday adventure of Dashiell Hammett's famous private detective, Sam Spade. here's important news on good grooming. If you want the well-groomed look that helps you get ahead, socially and on the job, listen. Recently, thousands of people from coast to coast who bought Wild Root Cream Oil for the first time were asked, how does Wild Root Cream Oil compare with the hair tonic you previously used? The results were amazing. Better than four out of five who replied said they preferred Wild Root Cream Oil. And no wonder. It gives you the advantages that men consider most important. Wild Root Cream Oil grooms your hair neatly and naturally relieves annoying dryness, and removes loose dandruff. 
What's more, non-alcoholic wild root cream oil is the only leading hair tonic that contains soothing lanolin. That's like the oil of your skin. So ask for wild root cream oil hair tonic. Again and again, the choice of men who put good grooming first. By the way, smart girls use wild root cream oil too. And mothers say it's grand for training children's hair. And now back to the Bail Bond Caper. Tonight's adventure with Sam Spade. I had hoped, Leo, when I made my spectacular move in your bail bond office and set the bells to ringing, that I'd get the caper off my neck and onto the capable shoulders of the police where it now belonged. Then I told myself I could go home and get some sleep. I had never been that fond of Vivian anyway. I was holding the million-dollar portfolio, complete with its big official seals still unbroken, ready to hand it over with a flourish to the first boy in blue that rushed in. But then I saw something that dashed my hopes. There was a strip of scotch tape across the bottom of it. It wasn't up to me to tamper with important evidence, but I didn't have to. It was only a question of what magazine had been cut up to replace the million dollars in bearer bonds. That question was answered at headquarters 20 minutes later. It turned out to be the last 52 issues of Radio Life, which even Captain Walsh of the robbery detail admitted was no help. Neither was Captain Walsh. Now, Spade, in your statement here, you state... Uh, so and so and so and so and so and so, uh, sweet Leilani. And that Rosenfoy didn't hand portfolio exhibit in question to Leo M. Scarlett, alias Scarlatti, at approximately 10.20 p.m. this day. That's it, Captain. Now, uh, you sure you want to stick with this? You don't want to change any part of the statement? No, I just want to go home and go to bed. I'm afraid you're going to stay with us for a while. Who, me? Um, statement of Jordan Joyce, M.D., statements of Hilda Sackwriter, R.N., and Mildred DeVilbis, R.N., day and night, nurses respectfully. Who's sick? Rosenfoy. He's been quarantined in his home in Daly City since his release from Alcatraz four days ago. Chicken pox. Sorry, Sam, I'll have to book you. You sure you don't want to add anything to that statement? <sighs> Only this. Kelsey Walsh, if you continue to do such brilliant police work, you will be waving a stop sign at a school crossing in time for the fall semester. You are a hangnail on the finger of justice. I thought I had been courteous and cooperative, but even so, it was the middle of the afternoon by the time they set my bail. Fifteen hundred bucks. That made it life. I hadn't had time to hang the curtains in my cell when I got even worse news. My bail had been posted by who? Vivian, a banana peel in the steps of progress. She met me outside. Well, aren't you going to thank me? What for? Getting me in jail or getting me out? Getting you out, of course. It was all the money I had in all the world. Leo's money was impounded, you know. But Sam, when I thought of what you and I once meant to each other, and maybe we still Yeah, yeah, out. well, uh... You'll get your money back. I'm not really guilty. Oh, I know that. What else do you know? I guess it's safe to talk. Leo phoned me today. Where is he? He wouldn't say. Some pay station. He kept putting in nickels. Sam, you've got to talk to him. You've got to convince him it's best to give himself up. Now you're beginning to make sense, sweetheart. But how can I get to talk to him? I've arranged it. He's to meet us at the Club Leilani. 
you know, where we had our reunion yesterday. That place on Dunbar? Yeah. Oh, that's great. A crowded saloon less than a block from the police department. Besides, the place has lousy memories for me. By the way, did you ever get out of the ladies' room? If you don't mind, I'd rather talk about something else. Okay, let's talk about how do we bring this big secret meeting off in a crowded cafe. Is Leo coming in a false beard? You really think I'm stupid, don't you? I didn't say so. Well, it so happens that the place is closed on Tuesday. See that sign in the window? Closed Tuesday? Mm-hmm. Now, how do we break in? I was counting on you. You're a detective. Can't you use a glass key or something? Did you say that bail bond you bought for me was all the money you had in the world? That's the truth. Then get ready to forfeit it. It's a risk I've got to take. You've got to take. Sam, please, if we ever meant anything Yeah, to... I know. Half Moon Bay. But sometimes I wish we hadn't been childhood sweethearts. Wait here, I'll case the alley. The alley wasn't much better. There were two windows, washroom type, all glass brick, except for two small ventilators big enough to put your hand through. The only hope was the kitchen skylight. I didn't have any trouble getting up to it, but once I was there, things didn't look so good. The view from the roof was a garage door with two green lights flanking it. Then it struck me where I was and why I was there. The Club Leilani backed directly on the Hall of Justice where the big bail bond robbery had taken place at 5 p.m. the night before. Without further ado, I put my foot through a pane of the skylight, reached in, unlatched it, and dropped. front of the building, I could hear Vivian clamoring for admittance. I decided to let her clamor for another minute or two. It isn't a thing I often do, but I walked resolutely into the ladies' powder room. It was very well equipped. It had furniture, a telephone, and more clues than I needed. The magazines were there, the razor blades were there, the scotch tape was there. There was even a scraping of red sealing wax on the steel frame of the window slot. But best of all was what I found in the paper towel dispenser. I lifted it out and moved it next door to the men's washroom. Then I let her in. What kept you so long? You'll spoil everything. I was afraid you'd... Here comes your husband. (gasps) Come on, let me in. What happened, Leo? You're early. Any objections? I just got itchy, that's all. How are you, baby? Don't, Leo. I'm so nervous. Strange. What are we going to do, baby? What's Spade going to do for us? Tell him, Sam. I'll leave you two alone to talk it out. Freshen up a little. Haven't had my face on all day. Poor kid. Well, Spade, let's have it. Yeah, she's right, Leo. I can do a lot for you. But you've got to do something for me. Spade, this is level. I never saw those bonds. I know that. Then what are you after? The truth. It's the only thing that can save you. And if you take this rap, I take it too. I'm in clear up to my neck. Okay. Charlie Rosenfoy came around to Vivian and made her this proposition. He was going to pull this bail bond job and plant the goods on me to get even for the rap he thought he'd taken for me. Mm -hmm. Vivian pretended to play along with him, only she got hold of the package long enough to take the bonds out and put the old magazines in instead. The idea was the mob would think Charlie had double-crossed them, taken the goods for himself, and delivered a phony packet to their banker, which was supposed to be me. Only you had to get smart and set off that burglar alarm. Now I'm getting the squeeze on all sides. The mob, the law, Charlie are all gunning for me at once. Don't worry about the mob and the law, and don't worry too much about Charlie. What are you driving at? That'll be him now. Who tipped him I was here? Get back in the corner. It's dark in here. He'll never see you. I'll take care of it. All right. Hello, Charlie. Oh. Come on in. Oh. Good boy, Spade. 
Get his gun. You're my friend. Sure, I'm your friend. Come here. Yeah, sure, Spade. Pleasant dreams, fellas. Now I act. Hey, Charlie! No, Leo! Vivian? Sam? Is that you? Yeah. The last of your boyfriends. You mean Leo? Charlie? Yeah. They just knocked each other off. Oh, Sam. I can't see. Dark. Where are you? Right here in front of the jukebox. You sure? Hope to die. (gasps) Drop it, Vivian. It's empty. Sam, Sam! Vivian, how could you? After Half Moon Bay. I'm sorry I had to knock you boys out, Leo, but uh, better lumps than bullet holes, eh? After she started wrapping up the caper, it wasn't too hard to figure what she was up to, providing you could keep her smoke out of your eyes. She told Charlie how to operate on you and told you how to operate on Charlie. A million dollars for her and two dead gangsters lying on the floor of an empty joint where they'd shot it out. The secret of the missing bonds would have to be written off by the police as having died with either one of whichever of you ever had them. Period. End of something. Pardon me, Mr. Spade. I-, I know you're tired, and if you're too brushed, please feel free to elude the whole matter. But... Yes, okay, let's do that. Thank you. Effie said that you were always glad to qualify any little points that she didn't understand. Mm-hmm. She said that, did she? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But she also said that quite accidentally that you sometimes leave things out that should be left in. Bernadine, times are very bad. They're cutting salaries everywhere. But where were they during the whole nefarious affair, if you'll pardon the expression? The bonds? In the paper towel dispenser, didn't I say so? Oh, that's what you moved to the men's. Mm-hmm. But how did they get there? In the Walrenies, if you'll pardon the expression. Simple. When the thieves whizzed through the alley after the heist, Vivian had her well-manicured little lunch hook thrust through the window slot to receive them. Oh, that's how the red sailing wax got there. Bernadine, you're spectacular. Now go and type this up. You're making me nervous. You know what they say about people who like mysteries? Once a mystery fan, always a mystery fan. And that goes for hair tonics, too. Once a Wild Root Cream Oil fan, always a Wild Root Cream Oil fan. Just try it and you'll see what I mean. Wild Root Cream Oil grooms the hair neatly and naturally, relieves annoying dryness, and removes loose, ugly dandruff. So tonight, or first thing tomorrow, step up to your drug or toilet goods counter and ask for Wild Root Cream Oil. Get the big economy bottle and the handy new tube that's easy to pack when you travel. Also, ask your barber for a professional application of Wild Root Cream Oil Hair Tonic. Again and again, the choice of men who put good grooming first. Well, here it is, Mr. Spade. I hope it's not too erroneous. Oh, I'm sure it's quite offensive. Don't you mean inoffensive, Mr. Spade? Have it your way. I don't want to sound imprudent, Mr. Spade, but I must say that your conduct through the whole thing was very brave and outrageous. Don't you mean courageous? (laughs) Oh, now I've got 
caught you doing it. You're going to be just like Mr. Cummel. Your uh, previous employer, no doubt. Yeah, poor man. You know, he finally became completely erasable. They had to take him away. Mm-hmm. What were his symptoms? Well, when he ordered the puppy biscuits, I thought he was just being concentric. But after a while, he wouldn't answer to anything but Rover. I had to sprinkle his flea powder in the morning, you know? And then he had his little tricks. He always wanted to show off, you know, sitting up and rolling over. He could shake hands, too. What's so great about that? Any dog can shake hands. Yeah, but can you scratch your ear with your foot? If I uh, set my mind to it. Now go home, Bernadine, or I'll report you to the SPCA. (laughs) You can't frighten me. Effie told me that your bark is worse than your bite. Good night, Mr. Spade. Effie, in far-off Canab, come home, sweetheart. The Adventures of Sam Spade, Dashiell Hammett's famous private detective, are produced and directed by William Spear. Sam Spade is played by Howard Duff. The Adventures of Sam Spade are written for radio by Bob Tallman and Gil Dowd, with musical direction by Lud Gluskin. Gil Dowd directed tonight's broadcast in William Spear's absence. Join us again next Sunday for another adventure with Sam Spade, brought to you by Wild Root Cream Oil. Again and again, the choice of men who put good grooming first. This is Dick Joy reminding you to... Get Wild Root Cream Oil, Charlie. It keeps your hair in trim. You see, it's non-alcoholic, Charlie. It's made with soothing lanolin. You better get Wild Root Cream Oil, Charlie. Start using it today. You'll find that you will have a tough time, Charlie. Keeping all the gals away. Hiya, Baldy. Get Wild Root right away. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. That's very pretty, Miss Deering. Very pretty, very even, very clear. My voice, Mr. Van? You're typing, my dear. You don't mind my looking over your shoulder while you work? No, it's not your looking I mind, just your commenting. Besides, you ought to be very happy that I'm singing. When a secretary sings, she's happy in her work. (laughs) (laughs) Working for a private investigator is the nicest job a girl could have. Working for a private investigator? The private investigator. The best in the country. Well, now that's much... Are you Philo Vance? Are you? Why, yes. Please come in. Vance, listen. You're clever. You're brilliant. Help me. Please help me. I promise I'll try. What is it? I'm Mrs. Grace Rawls, and last night I had a dream. I dreamt that a man came to me and gave me $500. Well, that's hardly anything to get so excited about, Mrs. You you don't understand. This morning, I met the man, the same man I saw in my dream, and he gave me the money. Here it is. Look at it. $500. He handed it to me on the street, and he disappeared. Philo Vance's office. Hello, this is Mrs. Rawls. I I was in to see Mr. Vance yesterday. Please connect me with him. I'm sorry he isn't in. Well, find him then. Please find him at once. Tell him that last night I dreamed that same man came to me and gave me a new car. This morning when I woke up, the same car I dreamt about was in front of my door. Tell Vance he's got to explain this before I go mad. 
My dear Mrs. Rawls, you came to tell me about the third dream you had, the one you dreamt last night. Now, why don't you tell me? I don't know. I don't know if I dare. Those other two dreams I had coming true when I woke up. I'm afraid. If I'm going to help you, I'm going to have to know about this latest dream. All right, all right. Only, only I'm scared, Vance. I'm afraid. I, you see, last night, the same man who came to me in the first two dreams came again. This time, he told me I was going to meet a man named Sam Davis. And when I met him, I was going to kill him. Gosh, I'm tired. Yeah, I can tell. Uh, hold your end of this load up, will you? Don't make me carry it all. Uh, shut up. Hey, Pete. You think we dragged this thing far enough? Yeah, a little further out and it'll be safer, Mort. Okay. No wonder you're tired. It's a dark out here on this wharf. I could go to sleep right this minute myself. I could go to sleep any minute. Any time, any place. I guess I'm just one of those guys who was born tired. Uh, everybody's born tired. Nobody sleeps as much as a kid, does he? Only me, whenever I get the chance. Okay, Mort, this is as far as we can go. Set it down. Yeah. Uh, you ready? In a minute, I gotta rest a second. Oh. See, yeah, sure makes a guy sleepy. Okay, pick up your end. I'll get mine. Right. Count three and over the rail with it. Ready? One. Two. No. Pete, that does it. There goes the last of Sam Davis. His body's down at the bottom by now. Yeah, that's right. And I'm glad. Now I can go home and get a good night's sleep. Vance, I'm always glad to see you when you come down here, of course. But even though I am a district attorney, I have no jurisdiction over dreams. I know that, Markham. I just thought I'd talk this out with you. That woman was serious and in deadly fear. She dreamt some man was going to give her $500. The next day, she met this man and he gave her the money. Right. Her next dream had this same man giving her a new car. When she woke the following morning, there was the car in front of her door. And her latest dream, which she detailed to you about an hour ago was that she was told she'd meet and kill a man named Sam Davis. Yes. <laughs> you take her seriously, Vance. I'm surprised at you. I don't know who Sam Davis is, but I guarantee he's alive and well and is going to stay that way. Perhaps. Then again, perhaps not. There's an old theory that dreams foreshadow things to come. And... All right with you, Vance. Hello? Mr. Markham, this is Rogers, Homicide Department. Yes, Rogers. We've just fished a body out of the river, Mr. Markham. He was murdered and tossed in. Oh, was he, do you know? Yeah, a couple of the boys knew him. Character named Sam Davis, a gambler. What? I thought you might like to come down to the morgue. Uh, yes, yes, sir. I certainly do. Thank you, Rogers. You heard that, Vance? Yes. Apparently, my friend Mrs. Rawls is doing some mighty potent dreaming these nights. Now, let's be reasonable, Vance. You know what she told you wasn't possible. I don't know that at all. I'll admit it doesn't seem reasonable for her to dream she was told to kill a Sam Davis, 
than for him to turn up murdered. But there's something to her dreaming, and I'd better go see her. I should say you should, before she goes to sleep again and dreams she's the district attorney. Markham, the most important thing we must remember is that there is a connection between her and this Sam Davis who turned up murdered. What that connection is will solve the mystery of Mrs. Rawls' very prophetic dreaming. Want me to have her brought in? I think not. Not right now, that is. I'd like to handle this my own way. And what is that? I'm not sure at the moment. Perhaps I ought to do some dreaming myself. Daydreaming, of course. Watch this. Very good shot, Mr. Lee. Very good. You hit that target right in the middle. Yes, that's the general idea when you're shooting with a born arrow. That is correct, isn't it, Pete? Who knows? All I know is I'm tired. Well, you worked rather late last night, Pete. Rather late and rather well. Getting rid of Davis's body was a good job. Thanks. I helped Pete, Mr. Lee. You know that. I helped him. Yes, Maud, I know. I'm grateful yeah. to you both. Now, if you'll just be quiet one moment, I'll see if I can duplicate my last shot. Oh, them arrows really travel when he lets them go, don't they, Pete? Shut up. Yeah, I know, because you're tired. Because he's tired and I want to concentrate. <laughs> Gee, good shot, boss. Well, it was. Thank you. Oh, uh, Mort, will you go over there and get those arrows out of the target? Yeah, sure, but you got one more arrow left, Mr. Lee. I lost one yesterday, and I'd like the others, if you don't mind. Oh, I don't mind. I don't mind at all. Pete. Yeah? Pete, what's your opinion of Mort? Well, he's all right. A little stupid, maybe, but he's all right. Do you think he'd ever do any talking if the police picked him up? Well, that's hard to tell. Maybe yes, maybe no. Like I said, he's stupid. You can't figure out what he's going to do. Yeah, that's what I thought. In case the body of Sam Davis turns up, I'm afraid I would be very embarrassed if he talks. Oh? Hey, Mr. Lee, don't shoot that arrow down there. Now, Mort's in front of the target. You might hit him. Really? <coughs> that was the general idea. Good idea, don't you think? All I know is it sure wasn't good for Mort. She don't want to say why she wants to see you, Mr. Markham. She just says she's got it. What was her name again, Rogers? Rita Crane. I never heard of her, but ask her to come in, please. Sure. Okay, Miss Crane. The DA will see you. Thanks. You're Mr. Markham? Uh, yes, please sit down. Thanks. Look, Markham, I've never been to the cops before to gripe in my whole life. But I'm doing it now and liking it. So what are you talking about, Miss Crane? At Sam Davis, you found the river. I just heard about it on the radio. I think I know who killed him. Do you? Suppose you tell me the whole story. There's no whole story. There's just this. Sam was a gambler. He'd bet on anything, anytime. Mm -hmm. And I'm a gambler, too. I'd like to bet I know who killed him. Really? Who? It was a woman. A woman named Rawls, Grace Rawls. She had a crush on Sam from here to China, and he kept sloughing her off. He was my guy, D.A., mine. She couldn't take being shoved around. So it's your theory that she killed him. What do you mean, theory? Sure, she killed him. Nobody else would. Of course, he had trouble with Eddie Lee on account of Eddie was jealous of the business Sam was handling, but Lee wouldn't have killed Sam. So this woman, Grace Rawls, did know Sam Davis. Sure. Only not well enough to suit her. He saw to that. When he kept ducking her, she told him he'd never get away with it. She meant it. Apparently... You might be interested in knowing she's been to see Philo Vance, who's working on this case. 
I think perhaps I'd better tell Vance about your coming to me. Sure, tell him. Tell him, the cops, the militia, the Marines, tell everybody. But come up with that dame as the murderer of Sam Davis, Markham. Sam used to say that in case of trouble, he'd bet I'd be on his side to help. That's one bet he's going to collect, even though he's dead. You still insist that you didn't know Sam Davis, Mrs. Ross. I never said I didn't know him, Vance, never. And taking me down to the district attorney's office isn't going to make me change my story. Of course I knew him. I'm not taking you down to see Mr. Markham. I'm taking you to police headquarters. I want you to have a look at some rogues gallery photographs. What for? You claim a man came to you in a dream and that he came to you three times. Is that right? Of course it's right. I dreamt everything I told you I did. I'm not doubting you, Mrs. Rawls, fantastic as your story sounds. And I'll tell you why I asked you to drive me down here to headquarters. By the way, uh, is this the car left outside your house by the man you dreamed of? Yes, it is. Very pretty car. After you, Mrs. Rawls. Thank you. I want you to look at the photographs in the gallery. Then perhaps you'll be able to pick out the man you claim you saw in a dream. All right, I'll do it. But, Vance, I'm not entirely stupid. I don't claim that what I told you makes sense. I only claim I told you what happened. Many things that happen in this world don't make sense, Mrs. Rawls. But there's generally an explanation for them. And that's what I'm trying to find. It's the room to your right as we go in this door. Oh. Have you ever been to headquarters before? No, never. Oh, hi, Mr. Vance. Can I help you? No, Murphy, no thanks. I want to look at the pictures in the gallery, okay? Sure, Mr. Vance. Go right in. Thank you. This way, Mrs. Rawls. Oh. Are there pictures in all those files? Yes. Do I have to look through all of them? I doubt it, Mrs. Rawls. A lot of those files contain photographs and records of criminals who are dead. But they are classified, and there's always a chance that we might find what we're looking for without too much trouble. But what's the point of all this, Vance? I'm hoping that perhaps you'll be able to pick out the man of your dreams, Mrs. Rawls. And if his picture is here, I promise you the murder of Sam Davis is practically None of these, Mr. Vance. I know this is monotonous, but how about this drawer, Mrs. Rawls? Recognize any of the men here? No. Not him. No. No. No, none of them is the man I saw. Well, if at first you don't succeed, try this section. While you're looking at those photographs, Mrs. Rawls, would you mind telling me how friendly you were with Sam Davis? Friendly? Well, we, we, we weren't friendly at all. I like to make a bet or two once in a while on a horse. He handled a bet, that's all. We've been told you liked him a great deal. I? Like a bookmaker? Oh, Vance, please. Well, it's true that I am a widow and I could like whomever I please, but a bookmaker? I'm surprised. Vance. Yes? This man here, th this picture, that's the man who came to see me in my dream, and it's the same man I met on the street. What's the matter? You said if I found the man who came to me, you'd have the murder practically solved. I'm glad I said practically, Mrs. Rawls. Unfortunately, this is Mort Wilson. He had the bad judgment to get himself killed by an arrow early this morning. Oh, 
This is District Attorney Markham. The nightmare murder case began when Sam Davis was murdered after Mrs. Grace Rawls had a dream in which she was told she was going to kill Davis. She has identified the man in her dreams from a rogues gallery photograph. But that doesn't help us at all because that man was found dead too. All we know is that Mrs. Rawls has no recollection of killing Davis. That Davis had an enemy in Eddie Lee, a big-time gambler. I've sent for Mrs. Rawls in an effort to get to the bottom of this. And she's in my office. Mrs. Rawls, I don't have the patience that Philo Vance has. And I refuse to believe this ridiculous story of your having dreams that later develop into realities. I'm sorry, Mr. Markham. You're sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry you won't tell me the truth. That you hated Davis because he wouldn't have anything to do with you. And you killed him. That's not true. I didn't kill him. There's nothing you have that links me to his death. Except your visit to Vance practically predicting Davis's death. Would I do that if I were going to kill him? Would I get involved in a situation like this for no reason? No. Then I demand you let me go. And I demand that you leave me alone and that Philo Vance does too, unless you can prove something on me. And you know how much chance you have of doing that. I'm getting tired just hanging around, Mr. Lee. Can't something happen? Like what, Pete? Like you stop playing chess with yourself for a little while and tell me how we're going to make some dough quick. <laughs> It'll be made for us, Pete. Sam Davis out of the way. Most people who want to bet on anything in this town will come to me. You'll get your share. Oh, I don't know. I think I'll hit the hay. I'm tired. You getting company, boss? Apparently. See who it is, will you? Sure. Are you home? Why not? I got nobody to hide from. You wouldn't say that if that girlfriend of Sam Davis has ever found you. But I'm here in case of trouble. Answer the door. Yeah? Hello, I'm Philo Vance. Thanks for asking me in. I didn't ask you nothing, but as long as you're in, what do you want? If you're Eddie Lee, I want to talk to you. I'm Eddie Lee, Vance. Come in. Wanting to meet you for a long time. I wouldn't be so happy that I finally did if I were you, Mr. Lee. You know what I'm here about? Certainly. It's about two killings. You found out that Sam Davis and I were business rivals and that Mort Wilson worked for me. You have an idea that I killed them both. It's more than an idea. You could have killed Davis, had Wilson dispose of the body, and then killed Wilson so he couldn't talk. Very reasonable. I could have. But you don't arrest people on pure logic, Vance. Don't you have to have some proof of some kind? Perhaps I have that proof. You're very resourceful, aren't you? Well, I like to think that I am, too. Suppose we make this a contest... Look, Lee, I'm not playing around with words with anybody like you. You're a crook and a killer, and there's one way to handle guys like you, and only one. Physical logic, Vance? I never thought you'd descend to that. It's the only kind men like you understand. Now, do you start talking about what happened in those killings, or do I go to work on you? Now, Vance, I assure you, I have no intention... You meant what you said about beating me up, didn't you? I meant what I said about finding what part you had in all this. And if it means beating you up, I'll do it. Perhaps you weren't convinced with that one clip I gave you. Maybe this... <laughs> oh. You know, Mr. Lee, no matter how smart a guy is, you whack him over the head with a gun butt, and down he goes. Why'd you hit Vance, Pete? Why? He was going to work on you, wasn't he, boss? Don't tell me you'd have liked that. No, but I can handle myself. Sure, but suppose you come in second. Suppose he got you to spill about killing Sam Davis. What makes you think I killed him? 
Well, it was you that told Morton me where to find his body and take it out and dump it in the river. Yeah, yeah, I did tell you that, but it doesn't mean I killed him. Ah, you can trust me, boss. Oh, I'm quite sure of that. Well, then let's stop fooling around. What do we do with Vance? Oh, him? Yeah. Oh, Pete, my boy, I'll take care of him. In my own way. Vance, please. Please, wake up. Oh, brother, that bump on your head. Hello, Ellen. Hello. How did you get here? For that matter, how did I get here? Well, I can answer the first half of that. Somebody called the office and asked if I was your secretary. I said yes, so they told me to come to your apartment right away, that you needed me. I certainly did. Those wet cloths you put on my head did the trick, Ellen. Who did the trick of knocking you out? I deserved that. I was very impolite. I turned my back on Eddie Lee's principal stooge. Well, apparently they didn't want you dead, so they carted you here to your apartment and then called me. Now what? Now we're no further than we ever were in this mystery, Ellen. That's a situation I guarantee ends right here. From now on, we're going to get action. Vance, I don't Markham, see... listen. There are two alternatives in this murder case. One is that Mrs. Rawls is telling the truth, and the other is that she isn't. Well, that's hardly an epic remark. Tell me how she could possibly be telling the truth. How could she dream about a man who later showed up to give her money and leave her a car, then tell her she was going to kill Sam Davis? It could be done. Oh, Vance. Now, listen. She wasn't dreaming, of course. We know that's not possible. But she might have been made to think she was dreaming. Awakened in the middle of the night, a man in her room. She wasn't completely conscious. And he might have talked to her, told her what he wanted her to think she dreamt, and then disappeared in the dark. Why would anybody do that to her? To make her think she killed Sam Davis. It was a clever plan. It might work with an impressionable woman like Mrs. Rawls. In fact, it did work, if she's telling the truth. And if she isn't? Then she made up the whole thing to throw us off in the event that she killed Davis. You an association between her and Davis would be made by us and wanted to take as much suspicion off herself as was possible. That's great. Only how do we find out? Ellen is finding out right now. Your secretary, how? There was one tangible element in this entire case, Markham. I won't tell you what it is, but Ellen is tracking it down. All right. But Vance, aren't you overlooking one major element? The death of Mort Wilson. Who killed him? I haven't the slightest idea, but I'll find out, believe me. Well, that's interesting. I'll get that. I told Ellen she could reach me here, and it's probably she. Hello. Oh, yes. Good work, Ellen. Very good work. So it was bought a thousand miles from here. Well, this murder was planned a long time. Well, thanks, Ellen. You did a wonderful job. Bye. Well, Vance? We've got what I wanted, Markham. Have Eddie Lee, Mrs. Rawls, and Lee's henchman Pete down here in an hour, and in an hour, this case will be over. Waiting around, always waiting around. Hey, D.A., how much longer? Vance will be here soon. Your employer doesn't seem in too much of a hurry to see Vance, right, Mr. Lee? Matter of fact, I'm not, Markham. I like Vance all right, but he plays rough. And uh, how about you, Mrs. Rawls? What are your feelings about Vance's arrival? I don't care one way or another, when, as, or if he gets it. Hello, everybody. Guess I'm a little late. 
I had to stop. Hello, Vance. Here are the people you wanted. And incidentally, your hour is up. Yes, I know. And I won't be more than a few moments now. Pete, how tired are you? I'm always tired. Too tired to confess that you helped your boss kill Mort Wilson? Yeah. Much too tired for that. Well, you won't have to confess it. I can prove most of what I'm saying. Lee, you're quite handy with a bow and arrow, aren't you? Never handled one in my life. That's strange. Considering that the leading sporting goods store in the city picked your photograph out of a dozen brought to them and said that they had sold you archery equipment for years. I used to buy it and give it away. I just came from your house in the suburbs, Lee. There is unmistakable evidence that an archery target has been removed from the back lawn. The holes were still in the ground. And here's an arrow I found in the bushes. A duplicate of this arrow killed Mort Wilson. You found the arrow I lost, huh? Well, good work, Vance. It'll make a good case, I guarantee that. Thank you, Vance, for cleaning this up. So it was your secretary, Miss Deering, who checked the sporting goods shops, and that's what she called you about before. No, that wasn't what she called about, Markham. Remember I told you there was one tangible element in this case we hadn't investigated? Yes, but you didn't say what it was. That's right. But you might have guessed. Finding where that one tangible element came from enables us to solve this case. So while you arrest Eddie Lee and Pete for killing Wilson... You can also arrest Mrs. Rawls for the murder of Sam Davis. All right, Vance, what was this tangible element that practically convicted Mrs. Rawls of planning and killing Sam Davis? You remember, Markham, that she told me some man had come to her in a dream and had given her money. Yes. Then appeared later and gave her an automobile, and still later to tell her to kill Davis. Yes, I see. The money couldn't be traced, but the automobile could. Exactly. Ellen traced it, found it was bought in a city many miles from here. Mm -hmm. When she called me to tell me that the purchaser answered the description of Mrs. Rawls, I knew she'd planned the whole thing, and that the story of her dreaming was all a lie. We know why she wanted Davis dead, but not why she identified Mort Wilson as the man who allegedly came to her in her dream. Why shouldn't she? She knew Wilson was dead by that time because she'd seen the stories in the papers. Oh, I see. With Wilson dead, he couldn't very well deny it either. She also knew he was tied up with Eddie Lee, for that matter, and that her identifying Wilson as her sleep visitor might involve Lee. That's very true, of course. And you're finding that arrow and the archery was enough to get a confession from Lee after we worked on his accomplice, Pete. Lee killed Wilson, all right, but... I don't know why. I can tell you that. Lee had sent Wilson and Pete to carry off Davis's body. Lee had probably come to call on Davis and found him dead. Uh-huh. Inasmuch as somebody had done him a favor by killing Davis, he wanted to do that somebody a favor by getting rid of the body. And Mort Wilson was under the impression Lee had killed Davis, and Lee was afraid he'd talk. Is that it? Exactly. Well, it's all over now. But I still think that Mrs. Rawls made a mistake in coming to you in the first place with her ridiculous dream story. All murderers make mistakes, Markham. The trick is to find them. She thought she was being very clever when she came to me in the beginning. I wonder what she thinks now, at the end of the nightmare murder case. Case closed for this week. I hope you enjoyed our selections this time. 
Find more from Sam Spade, Philo Vance, Case Closed, and thousands of other old-time radio episodes at the website relicradio.com. You can donate while you're there if you'd like to help support this and all of the show's 15 years of Relic Radio, brought to you by you. Thanks to those who have helped out. Thanks for joining me today. Be back next Wednesday with another hour of Case Closed. Thank you.